The last time I spoke on a stage in front of people was February 25th, 2020 in Napa, California. Who would know that just a few weeks later, everything would shift in such a drastic way? It's interesting sitting here today, a year later, over a year later, and thinking about all the ways we've had to change our business. I'm thinking about my professional speaker friends. I'm thinking about my clients who use public speaking in order to find new clients for their coaching business, their entrepreneurial endeavors, their books. And I'm also thinking about the the corporate clients I've worked with who've had to go from meeting people in rooms and speaking on stages to doing virtual meetings. Everything's really changed. And in that, all of us kind of start to look alike sometimes. It's easy to just follow the pack when everything changes. There's some stability in kind of following along, but there's also a risk in not standing out. And so in this episode, I really wanted to explore how do you figure out what you stand for? And how do you put that on page, on stage, on a website so that you do stand out? And I couldn't think of anyone better than my friend Hillary Weiss to teach us that. She is a dynamo at helping people to find what's, what's real, what's true, what's most interesting about them, and then put that in front of the world. She's a creative director and came from the world of copywriting. And in this interview, we actually explore how she is my youngest friend ever to retire. <laughs> I was really curious about that as well. But we're going to talk about how to stand out in your business, whether you're a speaker, an author, an entrepreneur, whatever you're doing, how can you actually find that? And she runs us through her statement piece framework to help us find what's really true about us so we can stand out and rise above the crowd. This interview was super fun because she's one of my, my closest friends and we've never actually met in person, which is so strange, but we've texted almost every day for about a year. So let's dive into this conversation with Hillary. Earlier, I mentioned that Hillary retired in 2020. And what I meant is that she retired a whole segment of her business as a copywriter to move into this new piece. And so I got curious about that. What does it take to do that? And why might you do that? And why might that be helpful for us? Here's what Hillary had to say about it. Um, but what I was actually doing was retiring actually an entire uh, arm of my business, uh, which was copywriting. And this was the interesting thing about that process. And the reason why I wanted to celebrate it um, and really mark it was because I got into the industry as a copywriter. And I spent 10 years like clawing my way tooth and nail up the food chain. Um, and what was really exciting to me about the stage of my business is that I was sort of looking around. This all started about three years ago. Uh, and I started looking around my business and I was like, okay, do I still love copywriting? Like, is this what I want to spend the rest of my life doing? And the answer was no. Um, not that I didn't love my clients or that I didn't love projects, but I just felt like what I learned over the years and what interested me creatively had changed in drastic ways. Uh, so I really started kind of looking around and like, all right, what do I want to do? And, and always in the back of my mind, I had wanted to move into creative direction. Always, always, always. But I had a couple of obstacles in my way. So you have a story to tell and you wonder how to own the stage and give that killer speech that will captivate the masses. You don't just want to speak to them. You want to transform your audience. Welcome to the Mic Drop Moment. Bold conversations about public speaking, storytelling, and business that give you real-world valuable takeaways so you can craft a speech, a story, a business, and a life that the world can't stop talking about. It's time to find your Mic Drop Moment. Here is your host, Mike Ganino. 
One, I'd never heard of a copywriter turning into a creative director. They were all designers. Um, but apparently back in the old school ad days, there were uh, copywriters um, who, you know, most copywriters became creative directors there because they had an eye on the full strategy. Um, but I also really wanted to make sure I was even good at it and really wanted to test it because I was like, if I want to do this strategy thing, I can't just jump from copywriting to creative direction and brand strategy all in one go. Um, so it was really about building. And in the last six months or so, I've been really, really uh, scaling down copywriting, scaling up creative direction and uh, brand strategy and the positioning coaching that I do. And then uh, obviously COVID hit. So I, said, I said to myself, oh, fuck. Um, and I think it was it was just felt like this giant wall had been put up in front of me. I heard this. I had hit this giant speed bump and just went flying um, into this crazy existential crisis of is this the right time? Is it like, am I worthy of making this move right now? Because people maybe are looking more for execution than high level strategy. Am I even supposed to be doing this? Um, and so I kind of lingered in that space, March to April, and then come May, I had a couple of <laughs> a couple of events that made me throw in the towel and say, you know what, there will literally never be a good time to do this, to make this <laughs> jump, because that's sort of, even when there's so much resentment, it's like, it's like uh, the end of a relationship, like you're in a relationship, and it's not great, and your partner is not ideal, and you know, you need to break up, but it drags on for weeks or months, because you're always like, well last week wasn't so bad or like, I feel like we're making some progress or it's his birthday next month or whatever. Um, so I really just decided to pull the plug. And in order to cement that idea, I decided I was going to throw myself a little retirement party um, uh-huh. as I retired that thing. And it was worth marking because I was letting go of the thing I'd been known for, uh, for so many years. So I had a little, had a little zoom party, sent out some care packages and just had a blast doing it. Well, and so, and I think a lot of people that listen to this show, either people that are public speakers or wanting to become public speakers or are using storytelling in some way in their business, mm-hmm. I think there's this this fear sometimes of saying, this thing I did before, I want to go into this new area. Like for me, when I first when I first started speaking, it was based on what I had always done, which was the restaurant and, and hospitality world. And yeah. I knew that like that wasn't really where I wanted to be, but it also felt like, how do you just stop doing it? So what was it like as you, even before coronavirus and, yeah. and you know, socially distancing and worried <laughs> about those things, what was it for you that, what was the thing that said to you, like, you have to go over this, you have to like take the leap over this cliff? Were you bored with copywriting? It wasn't, you know, it, it was boredom to a point. I think um, it was, I could write a sales page in my sleep. I'm proud of that fun fact about myself because it was all, only served me. Um, but for me, it was just the building visceral reactions I would get when I got inquiries in my inbox. And I was like, okay. And it was, it wasn't even on small projects. It was like, oh God, well this, I could charge like 20 K for this 25 K for this, but I just, every cell in my body did not want to do it. Um, and it was so interesting to me because copywriting for a long time was something that brought me so much joy. Um, in my life, I always joke, and it's it's not really a joke, that writing is the only thing I've ever been good at. Like, I can't really do math. I'm not a very tidy person. I can't really cook, can't really sing or act, but I can write my ass <laughs> Um, so I, I remember when I graduated, so I like wanted to be a writer and a journalist my whole life. And then I did the whole thing my senior year of college where I interned at the local uh, so high school where I interned at the local paper. And the guy pulled me into his office, my boss. I was like, so you want to be, what are you majoring in in school? And I was like, I want to be a journalist. And he was like, okay, don't do that. Don't, don't get that degree. <laughs> 
because there's it was like you know this was 2006 2007 and uh, they were like journalism is dying because the internet is taking it over go into public relations so i did but the world of pr wasn't really a fit for me either um so finding copywriting was just like this amazing in between where i could make money writing where i could enjoy the process where i could be creative um and also like make a decent living and not be struggling byline to byline so do, do you know that I went to college for public relations as well? Oh my God, did you? Yeah, I went so to, I didn't, I didn't graduate, but I went to, um, I went to Drake university in their journalism school. And I started there as a, this is so I didn't, re, you and I've been talking daily, weekly for, for seven months now. And we never had this conversation, but I went to Drake university for newspaper editorial writing. Oh that was my major was that. And then I realized like, Huh, this is 1998, by the way. I'm a little bit older. Uh, yeah. 98, and I was like, I don't know, like wandering around and writing about, you know, because I didn't have any like grand illusions of becoming famous at that time. So I thought, yeah. wow, driving around and writing about like what's happening at the local, you know, diner. I was like, that's not interesting to me as, an, as a writer. And so then I went into magazine journalism and PR as a major because I thought, like, at least I'll get to like throw fabulous parties hey, or something. That was fun. Not too. I was like, it looks fun on the television. Yeah. And so so you ended up doing that for a very short amount of time. You graduated from University of Miami, and then you've got a job doing like luxury travel PR. Was it glamorous? <laughs> no. <laughs> that was and that was the thing. So when I thought PR, I thought like Samantha from Sex and the City, right? <laughs> I mean, who among us did not? Um, but I just remember being like, okay, well, you know, this is at least I get to write to a point and like, these are exciting. And if I do travel and luxury lifestyle, maybe I'll get to travel and do some luxury lifestyle things. Incorrect. Like this was the, when I graduated college, um, I worked like a ton of odd jobs in college and had like a ton of internships and I enjoyed none of them, but I was still like, I'm still going to make this work, man. So I got that job. One, one of the only friends, uh, people in my group of friends who had a job before graduation. But what that job actually was, was me working for free for three months for the privilege with my four-year degree of getting paid $8 an hour. So <laughs> it was not what you might call uh, luxurious, but it was it was a, a good learning experience to see how a small agency was run. But it was really the nail in the coffin. And I think the fact that I... Uh, <clears throat> did not have a passion for public relations was part of the reason why uh, eventually I got fired. <laughs> so wait, did they just come to you and were like, Hey, um, you're really not doing $8 an hour <laughs> of work. And this isn't like, just to, just to remind everybody, this wasn't like in 1982, although our, our federal minimum wage is still like seven twenty five or seven seventy five, So like, yeah. it's quite possible someone could be doing this today, but like oh. they came to you and said like, Hey, you know, $8 an hour. We're just not getting the ROI. Shame on them. Yeah, basically. I remember my boss took me out for ice cream and was like, so what do you love about PR? And I was like, huh. <laughs> I have no, I was, I couldn't answer her really. It was a valid question to ask me, you know, good leadership and all that. But she was like, well, we're gonna have to let you go because they lost a big account. But really, like, because I had been at that time starting my copywriting business at the same time. And I just hated the work I was doing at my job so much. I would like finish my work for the day and then work on my blog or going to jump on client projects. And I think one of my bosses sat behind me. I don't know why I thought she wasn't going to be watching, but <laughs> I'm just not subtle when I'm not interested in things. It's just part of who I am. 
It's like the time when people do the quick, uh, the quick screen close, and it's like, oh, I wasn't, I was uh, doing something important. And it's I, I like, wasn't in the back end of WordPress. No, 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 I was writing this this shitty pitch. Totally. I love it. Wait, so do you remember what kind of ice cream you had at your termination ice cream yes. party? Oh my god! Wait, I'm closing my eyes and visualizing. It was gelato. So knowing Ooh. me at that era, it was probably something dark, dark chocolate caramel sea salt. This was 2011 when that was like just coming out as a fancy person flavor. So yeah, that's, I believe it was uh dark, dark chocolate salted caramel gelato. Did she at least buy it? <laughs> yes. Yes. She okay. was kind enough this to buy great. it because I certainly couldn't afford fancy ice cream on my $8 an hour salary. So <laughs> this, is, this is great. I think it probably was a whole hour's worth of work for a fancy gelato like that back then. <laughs> it was. Okay. Miami. So that leads you to, that leads you to kind of jumping full. So, so did that moment, did you think about, I need to go get a job or did you say I'm going all in on this thing that I've been wanting to do? Well, it was actually, so what was interesting is that I didn't really have a choice um, because it had been so damn hard to get a job. And the issue at the time was that so many kids had gone into university and get got degrees in communications. And then it was uh, sort of sh- shortly enough after the recession that people were still hesitating on hiring, people were still undervaluing marketing and promotions. It was just really, really hard to get your foot in the door anywhere. So I basically sat down with uh, one of my friends who was starting her freelance business at the same time. Her name is Cassie Oswald. And um, excuse me, I sat down with her and I was like, okay, so I don't really want to do this job, but I'm also not super experienced in this world. And she'd been a designer for some of the bigger names very early. She's very talented and had been you know, networking since she was like 18, 19 in the space. And I was like, okay, so you're a designer. I'm a copywriter. What if we team up? Um, and we created what became known uh, as this little boutique uh, agency that we put together called Youngblood Sorcery, which is I think the sales page. The website might still be up. I'm not sure. Um, but we became a, a digital magic making duo with me doing the copy and her doing the design. And we were 21, 22 years old, had no idea how to price ourselves or do anything. But we just kind of started making our way from there, scrappy as hell. And that's when things really started to take off for Hillary. Her name started getting passed around in groups, and people were saying that she was the one you went to when you were finally ready to figure it out what it was that you were meant to say. But that made me curious. So how do we do that? If you're listening to the show now and you're like, I'm ready to say the big, bold thing I'm here to say, how do you find it? How do you dig down and get that? So that's what I was curious about. Oh my God. I love this question. I love this question. So one thing I do attract, and this is, this might be interesting, but I do attract a lot of uh, introverts into my, into my little corner of the internet. Um, And I got my extras, don't get me wrong, but I've been, uh, there's this cartoon about like extroverts who adopt introverts. And I'm like, definitely one of those people. (laughs) Um, So I think that's probably the energy I put out into the world. Um, But what was interesting, uh, and I'm just, first of all, I love this question. I have to say it again. Um, Because I think the criteria isn't necessarily, um, isn't necessarily loudness, isn't necessarily even a desire to be noisier or, you know, bigger than you are in terms of personality on the internet. But what people come to me with is that they have this sense of understanding that they do things differently, that they approach things differently. They look around at their industries and they're like, no, 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 yes, no, 
Um, and they really, really have strong opinions, whether they're said in a quiet, calm way or whether they're blared from the rooftops. Um, and a lot of my work in the creative direction and positioning coaching I do is really taking the time to dig under the layers and hold up a mirror to people to show them how they see things. Uh, because point of view is also a really big piece of my work. Because as the saying goes, like there are there are very few actually original ideas. It's like, I think it's Joseph Campbell. There are only seven types of stories, right? Um, and it's sort of the same way uh, I find for people getting frustrated, feeling like, oh, I don't have anything original to say. If it's not something that nobody's ever heard before, what's the point? Um, and I find that the truth is, not necessarily to say the most original things, but to really ground in your point of view and your experience and your perspective that brings your opinions and ideas to life and excites you and makes you really game to show up and create and write and record and share and sell and everything uh, that business requires because you're so grounded in the way you see things and you're so grounded in your own perspective. You become a magnet for people who think like you, who've been waiting for the discussions that you're having, there's always a gap to fill. And I often find it's not in the content itself, but in your view of it, in the way you teach it, the way you approach it, the way you see it, the way you share it. And, and I think that that goes along. I mean, you mentioned the idea of like, there's only a certain amount of like real uh, stories underneath of even movie scripts and things. And yeah. there's, I think that's where you and I agree so much. I mean, we agree on a lot of things, I think, but, right. <laughs> but one of the things we agree on is, at least professionally, is I think that same way about public speaking, that yes. that really like, uh, we don't need another person. Like when someone comes to me and they're like, I want to work with you, uh, you know, and it's like, great, what, what do you want to say to the world? And it's like, I want to say that purpose matters at work. And it's like, Okay, well, 7,000 7, other people have said that. Yeah. You don't need to be original in your idea, but like, what's your take on it? What's your perspective? And when it's just so, uh, you know, like, hey, this matters and it should matter and let's make it matter. It's like, no, what I want to hear is like, who pissed you off that made you realize that? Amen. Who, 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 when was the time you sat back and you said, what the hell is going on over here? Like, I call those WTF moments. And, and when I'm on other people's podcasts and I have to behave, I call them what the friction moments <laughs> of those times when what you believed and what you saw were different. And you said, there's got to be another way, because I think yeah. that for your idea to stand out, for you not just to be like a nice breakout speaker at an HR conference, you've really got to, not that there's anything wrong with nice speakers at HR conferences, take of the day. but no one, I mean, no one comes to me, Hillary, no one comes to you. They yeah. say, Hey, I want to put real money on this so that I can be a, a backup speaker at an event. So I can be the backup choice. Like people yeah. come and they put the credit card and they put the check down for working with folks like you and me yeah. when they know I am no longer standing back here. I'm ready to go to the main stage and you can't go to the main stage. You can't be the, the number one choice for, for folks if you don't take a stand. Absolutely. And this is in branding too, like the idea of allies and enemies, like who do you want to be aligned with? Who do you want to be positioned against? Um, and I find that, and I love that you brought this up too, because it's, I have this tool called the statement piece framework, which is basically about how to dig into your own brain for that perspective, for those ideas. Um, and it's a really great tool. But what's funny to me is that I, so I attract a lot of women, as I mentioned, I attract a lot of, a lot of uh, quieter people for one reason or another, um, I like to think that I'm very welcoming to all people. Um, but what one email I get a lot is like, 
I went through the statement piece framework and there's a lot in there about, you know, what you want to be for or against. And there, I call it um, what you want to be an uh, anti or advocate. And people are like, oh my God. So I went through the statement piece framework and like, I'm not a negative person, but the anti lit my brain on fire talking (laughs) about what I don't want or don't agree with or have seen too much of like, oh my God, what does this say about me as a person? And I think that this is the missing step, um, what you and I are talking about for a lot of what drives people away from content creation and and giving keynote talks is that there's the same formula kind of across the board. It's like, okay, you want to make a thing. Who is your audience? What is their pain point? How do you solve that pain point is kind of the, the, the structure. But no one ever seems to ask when it comes to the solution, how do you uniquely solve it? And what's bullshit? And what needs to be needs to have the spotlight on it more? What do you think do you agree and not agree with in the industry about it? Like ask having people examine that about themselves, as I'm sure you've seen in your work, like creates, first of all, infinitely more possibilities for stories to tell content to create workshops, all of that. But it also makes people energized and excited to show up because if you are bored to death, with your own content, guess who else is going to be bored with to death with your content? Spoiler alert, it's everybody. I think we can all agree there, right? If you're bored, they're going to be bored. And if they're bored, they're not listening. But this started making me think about something I always talk to my clients about, where it isn't just about having one signature story or one signature speech. It's about being able to kind of pivot. I call it the pivot point. What's your perspective? How can you look at the world? How can you look at the Academy Awards, a new album that came out, something that's going on in world news, and have a specific opinion about it that's based on kind of where you stand, your pivot point? So I was curious about how Hillary uses this in her work with clients on creative direction to help them really define the space for themselves. Where can you use it? How do you use it? And why is it so useful and attractive? And what it's what it does, and I'm sure it's the same thing with you and your pivot points as well, is it kind of gives an all roads lead to Rome feel with your content. Okay. Um, because I think when people uh, decide to uh, put themselves out there more, they they get confused because they're not sure what they're uniquely bringing to the table or what their point of view is. So when we create the specialty and create the framework, that sort of highlights how they approach things, but also where their point of view comes in to create that really strong value. So when it's time to create the new packages, they're easy to sell. When it's time to, uh, when it's time to create content, they're like, I know I can talk about this, this, and this and tie it back in, even if it doesn't seem to be, Uh, something that directly relates to each other, it all comes back to the core principles of my business, to the framework, to the stuff that I enjoy talking about and teaching. Um, And it kind of gives them a touch point because I think that a lot of people when it comes to like creating visibility online and like creating their Instagram uh, feed and all of that, they think that it has to be all business all the time. Um, But what's interesting is that I I sort of, well, not interesting, but this is just good. I think this is just good practice. Um, is that you can talk about your personal life as well on your business Instagram, share things about yourself so people feel more connected to you. But when you have that core framework, when it comes to actually sharing that quote unquote value building content, it always gives you somewhere to go and somewhere to pull from because you're like, okay, this is the way I see things. This is what makes my approach unique. Here's how I'm going to build on that. And we had an example. So I'm working with one gal right now um, who's in SEO. And we've been toying with sort of an approach for her and all of that. 
Um, and what was most important was how she was coming at talking about SEO and her content. And she was like, I don't want to be one of the bros. I don't want to be one of like the quirky tech SEO girls. What do I do? And she loves uh, all things occult. She's very witchy. Um, she's also very funny. So I was like, well, what if we do the SEO sea witch? And she was like, oh, my God. It's <laughs> like an interesting way to come at an old idea that puts her spin on it. Because a lot of her direction is about how people use SEO to actually tell stories um, and keep businesses creative. Just so you can, But it's about reaching those key people. Because when everyone thinks about SEO, very stiff, very keywords, this. Google Analytics, that, but her approach is far more creative. So coming up with uh, that framework and that kind of signature idea has really unlocked her brain in a big way and allowed her to to keep showing up. And we don't know if she'll go with SEOC, which yet, but I'm rooting for it. And it's a good little uh, starting point, I think. Yeah. And so with, with, with that kind of thinking, is that about doing something just to stand, you know, because I, I when I look at your website, the, the first thing is you popping out of a laptop in a fabulous outfit. And it says uh, big ideas that stomp off the screen. And so mm-hmm. is the point of something like that, the SEOC, which is it about shocking people? Is it about how does that lead back to it? I feel like there's a road here to the name statement piece because yeah. Is that about making a statement? Like, tell me more about that. Absolutely. So the whole ethos behind that shoot, um, and I shoot sins for Statement Piece Studio for big ideas that stomp off the screen also is, you know, my personality is very larger than life. Um, But when I say stomp off the screen, I think it's something that makes someone look at it and say, whoa, they make, it makes them look twice. It makes them want to get to know you more. Um, And they also, of course, I want people to come out feeling commanding, feeling strong, feeling authoritative. So that ties in. But I'm glad you asked because about uh, the statement piece name, Um, because I first came upon the idea when I was in this branding course, uh, Mirror Brand taught by Sarah Ashman. And she basically was she was walking us through exercises and she had this question, you know, what's something that you do a lot in your day to day that you're kind of known for from friends? Um, and you, you may know this about me cause you've seen me on video plenty, but for those at home, um, <laughs> I'm always walking around with at least one piece of statement piece, jewelry or clothing on. Like I rarely walk outside in a, a, a black tee jeans and studs. Like right now I'm wearing a shirt that says count orgasms, not calories. Um, and I've, I've got, you know, I've got these big, a lightning bolt necklace and I got a ring that says boss on it. And every single, every time I'm out in the world. Um, I, I love to dress like that and use fashion like that um, because it speaks, it tells the world who I am before I have to say a word. Um, it's a conversation starter. And what it does is exactly the same thing good branding is meant to do, which is to magnetize your right people to you and shoo away the ones that will consider me too much. Um, and I've always made this joke that I have this Godzilla of a personality. Um, I always have. I've never been able to escape it. Um, I tried to be quiet for, for, there were eras in my life where I really tried to be quiet and demure and cute, but it's, it's just not how I'm built. Um, so it was really, and then it wasn't until I got to the business world that I realized that that personality, that that approach, um, that I, I, I cannot hide. So it's a lot easier to help other people not hide because I'm able to kind of lead by example and say like, look, I've been doing this for years and I haven't died. I also haven't been rejected by entire cultures. So bonus, um, you can do this. And I think that the, the idea of the statement piece is really hitting on a core idea that becomes, as I say on my site, radically relevant to your perfect people. An idea 
or an approach to branding or an approach to your work that makes people scrolling through their Instagram stop and say, oh my God, I've got to learn more about this. I love the that. right. Yeah. And I, and I love the idea of radically relevant. Yes. Tell me about that. Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's, um, this is the the difference that we were just talking about with content. It's like, how do you make something relevant as a copy? I'll just go back to my copywriting days. And it was like, okay, how do I create relevant blog content as a copywriter? And the, the answer to that was, you go ahead and think, who is your target market? What is their pain point? How can you give them 10 steps to solve their pain point or whatever? And that's how we ended up with 50,000 articles entitled Six <laughs> Steps to Optimize Your Sales Page. Um, I didn't want to do that. I just had no interest. Um, and I tried so many times. And it just never worked. And it wasn't until I sat down and worked on getting really, really clear on the way I saw things, what mattered to me to talk about, um, which involves not just writing, uh, but it involved cr- the approach to creativity itself. It involved talking about the experience of entrepreneurship. It in- involves t- like taking this gigantic personality of mine and telling stories of moments where I did the wrong thing or the right thing, moments I embarrassed myself, moments that I realized I was wrong in my thinking and changed course, moments when I was able to retire, uh, be, be Mike's youngest friend to retire. Um, <laughs> but I think the, the, the radically relevant is really part of is really born of people taking a stand and of people doing the work to also understand themselves and what makes them interesting. And I think a lot of us shy away from that in branding. We're expecting someone else to tell us. Um, We're expecting we can get along, you know, fine, just doing really good work. But if you want to be an authority, if you want to be a voice, you have to know what's interesting about you and what's compelling and what's different. Um, and what blows, this is the, the, one of the best advice about being funny, and I'll apply it to this. Um, there was this YouTuber back in like the start of U- YouTube's ascension into like global dominance, I guess, um, called Jenna Marbles. And she's very, very funny. Mm-hmm. And somebody asked her, how are you funny? Like, how do you just, do you come up with jokes? Have you taken a class? And she was like, I just try to make myself laugh. And that, blew my mind. And I applied that same principle to my content and my approach online because I'm like, okay, what would I find interesting? What, I mean, what would my people find interesting? But through the lens of like, I'm in this world too. I see this world this way. How do I, what am I not seeing? What would I appreciate seeing knowing what I know about myself and my target market? And that's how you kind of step into that radically relevant piece. Yeah. It's the, um, you know, in all my all my like training and, and work in the improv world. And one of the things is that comedy is really about revealing of a truth that we all know. And if you do that in a surprising way, if you do that in a way that somebody says, oh, my gosh, that's exactly what I was thinking. And I never would have said it that that's where the laugh comes from. A hundred percent. Yes. There's and so it feels much. Like it's, yeah. And it feels like there's so much about what you're saying about having a statement piece that's really similar. It's about punctuating this in a way. Yeah. And it's about giving yourself a lens to talk uh, with which to talk through everything. Um, And everyone thinks of their statement piece a little differently. I have some people think about it in terms of their values. I have people think about it, thinking about it, as I said, in terms of their, excuse me, 
um, specialty and their approach. And there's, you know, there are, there's the big main statement piece, which is the core idea behind your brand. Um, and then there's little statement pieces that you can make every day, show up and say like, hey, aren't you sick of reading these same blog posts, the seven steps to optimize your sales page? I'm not going to talk about that today. Here's what we're going to talk about, which is way more important. And it's really about creating those little kind of gems, those little surprises along the way, which pulls in more people to you and also make those who already follow you feel much more connected because they feel like they have a voice. They feel like somebody sees things the way they do and they're not alone. And that's, I mean, that's really what even a a mic drop moment is about. A mic drop moment to me is not about, oh, I said the zinger that really got someone. That to me is about, you know, usually deprivation based humor of like, you know, because yes. you could look at someone, and this is awful, and I know I'm going to get the ads and the hate mail, but you could look at someone like Trump and say, is Trump funny? Mm. Is he using comedy? And it's like, yeah, there are times yeah. he's using comedy. What is it based on? It's based on deprivation. It's based on taking away from someone versus like a growth-based humor, which is what I think What I think we, we I learned at Second City, what I learned in, I think what Saturday Night Live does is a growth-based humor that's about moving us along in some way and not about like depriving someone and then making fun of them. And I, I love that. think that a mic drop moment to me when I describe it, it's about you're, you're in front of people <laughs> right now, maybe on a, on a webcam, but, but <laughs> theoretically you're in front of people, one person, many people, and you say the thing that is your truth. And also they look at you and say, oh my gosh. Yeah. Ah, that yeah. just totally did it. And there's this shared sense. Cause I don't think you can have a mic drop moment alone in the mirror. And I don't think that the audience can have a mic drop moment if you aren't willing to be honest. And it feels like there's a lot of congruency with that and the statement piece work that you do. A hundred percent. And I think um, the truth for you is I'm sure it's the truth for me too, is it's like, this is also not, if you're not already connected to this, like this is also not an overnight thing. Like I have people come to me, what's my statement piece? Like we'll do it in 90 minutes. And I'm like, okay, pause. Like it really does take work to dig out the way you see things, but then also to build the confidence and momentum to keep showing up and talking about it. And that's why, as I'm sure in your work as well, in my work, I believe in slow burn branding. I believe in taking the time and doing the deep dive because you really, really need to be solidly anchored and exactly what you want to be talking about and sharing because otherwise you're going to be doubting yourself. You're going to let that imposter syndrome run rampant. Um, But once you've done the work to kind of really examine things and pull those, pull those mic drop moments, pull those statement pieces out of you, then you're ready to kind of take on the world. You're ready to sort of move through the imposter syndrome, build the momentum, but it does require work. It's not just like one quippy idea and then you're done. You know, you showing up as yourself every day, bring all of yourself to your work, to your talks, whatever it might be. It takes a tremendous amount of courage and a tremendous amount of work and, uh, and willingness to sort of take that magnifying glass to your guts and figure out exactly what's going on and what you're bringing to the table. So now this reminded me back in episode 18 of the Mic Drop Moment, I talked about how writing makes you a better speaker, that a lot of people want to say, oh, I just get up there and I wing it. But I think that one of the reasons that writing makes us a better speaker is it forces us to kind of argue with ourselves to get our ideas really clear. So I was curious what Hillary had to say about that. 150,000 million billion percent. Yes. Um, I think that, and this is always like before I 
pitch anything to my like I first of all my team gets very annoyed with me because I always want to write my own sales pages um, I'm like everybody clear out like I have to write this I'm like we can do it for you I'm like stop this I have to go in alone and I take my machete and my backpack and I go into the jungle um, and the reason the reason why that is and I'll always like even if we're just doing like a social push I will sit down and I'm I also do messaging strategy works so I will sit down and put those pieces together and talk myself through the value. What is the big problem? What is the solution? Why do they need it right now? Um, what is, what, what's the transformation? What beliefs are going to change? All of this stuff is so, so important to walk yourself through. And you could do it, I guess, by talking to yourself on like Voxer or something, but really taking the time to sit down and write down the value really allows you to kind of hold the idea up to the light and see it from every angle and really make sure that when it comes time to have those sales conversations, do that promo to talk about it, you know, casually on social media in the hopes of bagging a few sales, you know, um, it really allows you to come knowing that you have the best pieces already decided on for the correct target market. And writing is a fantastic tool to do that. Yeah, there's, there's, and it's interesting because I'm a I'm a person that I share this idea of uh, when you're when you're working on like a speech, for example, or, or like a webinar. It's I I think you do need to write through your ideas, and then you need to get rid of the writing and just kind of own what you've done. And it yeah. feels like that's kind of what you're encouraging people to do with with finding their statement piece. The statement piece framework is about figuring out argue with yourself on paper so you could show up in the world and have an opinion. Yep. Yep. I had a, it's funny. It's, I love that you bring this up because I, I had a spiritual teacher once who told me that the whole point of sort of following your own light in this world is to read the book or throw the cards or do whatever. And you take what resonates and then you leave the rest behind. You don't constantly keep looking behind you and checking your notes, wondering if there was a better thing. Like mm. you, you pick and then you move forward. Um, and that's, I think, a huge, first of all, a huge part of, of branding as well. Because if we were all stuck like glued to our notes and just reciting our sales pages on sales calls, we'd never get anywhere. Um, but you should be able to, like your, your intuition, your mind and your knowledge allows you to isolate and identify those key points that you can then run with. So you, you do the work, you write out the verbal vomit, and then you ding, this is gross. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm just going to, finish this metaphor, <laughs> you dig the gems out of the vomit and run with them. Um, because that's also, you know, being a creative in the space, being a voice is about radical self-trust. It's about saying, okay, like this, I think makes sense. I'm going to run with it and I'm not going to die if somebody doesn't agree with me. But you have to be willing, as you say, to at some point put the notes down and run. When did that happen for you? Did you just like pop out of the <laughs> pop out of the womb of the University of Miami and say, ah, "I know exactly what"? Or was there a place where you said where you were at like this this uh, crossroads or this corner, and you had to say, "I could do this thing over here, or I can go this way"? Did you have that moment yourself? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I think it was. With my writing, I'll tell you. I'll tell you the writing story first. Um, basically, like when I when I figured out how I was going to sort of make my mark in the space, um, because I'm not you know as heavy into blogging as I was, but like 2016, 2018 to like mid 2019 um, was really a power time for my writing um, and visibility through my writing. So. 
the the thing that tipped me over the edge was that I was having this conundrum that we were talking about, which is like, I didn't want to write the seven steps to optimize your damn sales page. So I had gone probably three to four years in business without, I was a copywriter who didn't write for herself, which is, you know, the shoeless shoemaker's children or whatever is a common trope for a reason in the creative space. But um, I put, I ended up having this idea rattling around in the back of my mind for probably like a year on I so growing up, I was not a good student. Um, I was really struggled in school always. Um, because first of all, I'm really lazy. Uh, when, when I'm not interested in something that I'm, I'm learning. Um, and I kind of just I learn by doing I like to get my hands into things, um, instead of learning theory and lecture. Um, but I ended up having this idea in the back of my mind, just wanting to tell that story. Uh, because I had a lot of people being like, Oh, I'm sure you were a straight A student because you're great at business. And I was like, Ooh, hard opposite. Um, so I ended up it actually like it demanded to be written so hard. I woke up at like three o'clock in the morning, one night. And I was like, Oh, I have to write this. Okay. And I just like got out my laptop and banged it out. And it was ready to go by like seven or eight in the morning. And I, I ended up launching it. And it was called Notes from an Unremarkable Child, How Painful Averageness <laughs> Equipped Me with a Life Philosophy. And I'd never written anything like that before. Um, so I was like, oh, I don't know how this is going to do, but I really wanted to write this. I feel great about it. And it was something that I, I want to put out into the world. So let me do it. And I had never had a piece do so well. I was getting emails. I was getting texts. I was getting DMs. And I was like, what the f- what the fuck is going on here? Like, this is not a business discussion. Like I was told this is against the rules. Um, (laughs) And just the response that I got, I was like, okay, there's something here. I don't know if my greatest value is teaching technical things. I think my greatest value as a writer, what I can do is, is talk about what I see and how I do things and the advice that's being given versus the reality and application. Um, and that was a really, really solid starting point for me. And that was definitely a, a pivot point um, or a turning point in how I was approaching um, having conversations online and and um, you know, building my my foundation of visibility and what what I could teach people to expect to come to me for, um, and so that was also when I realized that my personality could be a huge asset um, more than I ever realized that my way of seeing because you always you know imposter syndrome's a bitch it's going to come grab you by the hair and tell you that like you're not as good as Joanna Weeb so like why are you even bothering, um, and I think that just. being willing to focus on the the conversations that I wanted to have and felt good and filled me with energy and woke me up at three o'clock in the morning um, was a real key to how I was able to build up momentum and also get that thick skin that comes when you're constantly putting ideas out there, constantly sharing your point of view. Because if you want to build a platform, if you want to be somebody, you know, and, and be that, that best speaker, be that, you know, creative voice in the space, you have to have that that momentum built and that resilience to know that if this didn't work today, something else is going to work tomorrow. Um, And in terms of the pivot point for moving from copywriting to creative direction, I think it was probably when I was, so I start to make the transition. I started doing these one-to-one coaching sessions, just trying them, you know, 60 to 90 minutes, just seeing what problems I was interested in solving um, and where my brain sort of fit best in brand strategy And I think a big turning point for me was I had someone that I sat down with and we talked about one of her offers or something. And and we came up with like a cool brand, uh, like a cool way to name it and talk about it. And then she, we ended the call and I didn't hear from her again from like, for like a year. 
Um, and then she sent me an email out of the blue one day, basically telling me like, hey, I just want to let you know that that call really changed my life. Um, and it was a moment where I realized that this could be fun, um, that I had a way of seeing things and doing things and how I you know, was able to put something together that really felt good and got people excited, even though it was unusual. And now I'm, you know, making big girl money in my copywriting business. And I've done this X amount of times. And I'm just so excited. So thank you. And this was a call where I didn't even really register that this was going to be a game changer. It's always it's always those calls, right? Where you're like, oh, okay, and like, hopefully that's helpful. And then, you know, six months, a year later, someone's like, and that was the moment that I knew. Um, so it was really that. And, and approaching creative direction and letting copywriting go wasn't just because, you know, I was feeling some resentment around copywriting and the execution and how much energy it took out of me. But I realized that I could actually do so much more good as a strategist, as a creative director. I could influence more businesses, help people see things differently, and really build this approach um, from from a totally different angle that again got people excited to show up for themselves help people build the momentum and in some ways took the journey i did to figure out who you are by doing the deep work to figure it out and then pull those pieces of yourself out and put them on display for the world in a way that makes you excited it makes you excited to come back tomorrow and makes you excited for where you're going and that my friends is a mic drop moment I'm so thankful that Hillary came on the show to talk to us about this because so many people, myself included, are rethinking things or have had to rethink things or had to kind of piece things together. And we're looking at our businesses differently. We're looking at our our speaking, our coaching, our entrepreneurial endeavors a little bit differently and, and I think needing to infuse more of our views on the world into them to stand out in a place where there are so many voices now, where there's so many voices online, so many voices competing for attention on social, there's something about really standing out as yourself that makes a big difference. And so all of this ideas that Hillary shared with us today, I think are really useful. And if you agree, you can go grab the statement piece. You can get the free statement piece framework from Hillary's website. You can go over to hillaryweiss.com, uh, print that out and do the work yourself. I've done that work myself. Um, I've actually hired Hillary to work with me in some other areas and, uh, and it's really, really helpful. So go grab the free statement piece framework from Hillary's website at hillaryweiss.com. We will see you next time. This episode has ended, but your journey doesn't have to. Head on over to MikeCanino.com. Access all the resources and links that Mike and his guests shared today. And keep on crafting your own story. That's MikeCanino.com. Your audience is waiting. Isn't it time to find your hashtag mic drop moment? 